Hi, this is Andrew Levy, and I've got a couple of podcasts for you which fit into our top tips variety. And what that means is we're going to take a commonly recurring problem and we're going to show you some practical insights as to how you can deal with it. And I'm going to start today with something that I've called I'll Take That as Annual Leave. I'm sure you've all heard the words, an employee is away, there's a problem with the uh, medical certificate, somehow you're not totally satisfied with the permissions, and then the employee says, well, then I'll take it as annual leave. Can he do this? And uh, what follows from this? And this is part of a discussion around absenteeism, which we're going to be doing over the next couple of months or so. Now, the first thing is that we really need to start at the uh, very beginning and ask the question, who owns the annual leave? In other words, who decides what to do with it and can it be taken away from the owner? Now, if you look at the BCEA, let's start with the principles. That's always the best thing to do. And you'll find this in section 20, brackets 10, brackets little a and little b. Okay. And basically, uh, that says annual leave must be taken at a time by mutual agreement. That's a, which of course takes us nowhere because in labor relations, um, when you're agreeing to things, everything is hunking and dooring as it should. The difficulty arises when people don't agree. So we then turn to paragraph B, and that says if the parties cannot agree, then it is taken at a time designated by the employer. So we're left with a situation where technically the employee owns the leave. And again, as you know from the BCEA, it accrues at the rate in the ratio of one day's leave every 17 days worked, one hour leave every 17 hours worked, etc., etc. And once you've done the work, you earn the leave credit, and that is yours, and it can't be taken away from you. And that's the way you calculate the amount of leave taken, the amount of leave due, the amount of leave that there's a balance on, by reference to the 1 to 17 ratio. But although the employee has worked to earn the leave, and therefore they own the leave, and of course when they uh, finally resign or quit, you've got to calculate what amount of leave is outstanding and pay them out for that, another indicator that they own it. But in point of fact, when it comes to the taking of it, that is at the employer's volition with the one proviso that he can't have a situation where he says it's never, ever convenient for me to have you away. You cannot take leave. That's an unlawful thing to say because the law likes to feel that employees are able to get away from work, um, sit on the beach at Durban, watch the sharks eat the valleys, be ripped off, come back to their car, find the radio stolen, and all those sorts of relaxing things that go with a seaside holiday. Uh, it's said to be good for you. So you need to take the time off, and if you don't, then in point of fact, there is the ability to carry over into the next cycle um, the amount of leave which you have not taken. The formula is spelt out in the BCEA. So if we follow that principle that the leave must be taken at a time convenient to the employer, if the employee is about to get into trouble for taking unauthorized leave 
and they say, well, then I'll take it as annual leave, the answer is no, they won't for the simple reason that they do not determine when the leave is taken. The employer always has that opportunity. And what I would like to do is to uh, take you a little bit deeper on that one to have you explain. And what happens if you look at the, the bald contract of employment, the employee undertakes to make his labor uh, available to the employee for a certain amount of time every day to do certain jobs in return for a payment. And so the employee has a common law duty to tender their services, to say, here I am, I'm in line with my contract, I'm on all fours with it, tell me what to do. And from that we can also see quite easily that the only one who can uh, release the employee from their obligation to do work is the employer. The employer is the one who can say, well, I have no work for you today, in which case the employer can say, well, I tendered my services, you must pay me anyway, and he's quite right. Or the employer could say, well, I want to go on leave today, and the employer could say, it doesn't suit me, let's mutually agree a time. So just bear that one in mind. Okay, and what, of course, the employee does who's taken leave Uh, who hasn't brought a medical certificate, who hasn't given the proper notification, knows there is trouble coming, they will simply say, well, then I'll take it as annual leave. You know, my annual leave is mine. You can't interfere with it, and there's nothing you can do. Well, sadly, not correct. The said employee is due for a shock because in terms of the principle, at a time convenient for the employer, the employer does not find this time convenient and so declines to give the leave and moves on to the next step. Now, what is the next step? And that is absolutely vital for dealing with all shapes and forms of absenteeism, which, as I said, we'll do over the next few weeks. And these two principles are, one, that the employee must not be paid. So if they're absent without permission, they are not paid. If they fail to bring a proper medical certificate, they are not paid. The second principle is that not only will you not be paid, but you will now run the risk of attracting disciplinary action because you've broken the rules. Now here, we would all start off with a fairly mild uh, reproof or approach, and that would be by way of a uh, a verbal warning, uh, maybe an informal counseling. But if repeated, and this is important, If a very minor disciplinary offense is regularly repeated in the face of warnings, it shows one thing, and that is that the employee is giving you a large finger uh, and saying, I won't obey your rules. So that becomes quite serious misconduct, and that opens the door for disciplinary action. So I'm suggesting that, firstly, people don't get paid, um, and uh, I'm expecting a Nobel Prize. Uh, My mother keeps putting me forward because I am the man who has proved medically, although I'm not a doctor, that there is a pathological link between the wallet, the heart, and the mind. If you hit an employee in the wallet, they feel a pain in their heart and they change their mind. So they must be connected. And therein is my Nobel, Nobel Prize. So if we begin to withhold pay, they will start to get the message that there is a consequence 
and we then follow up with disciplinary action and we start laying the pattern. It is very rare that we can dismiss for a first opportunity or first happening of late coming. There can be cases, but they're few and far between. So what we need to do is look for a pattern. And I will explain to you in our next podcast why a pattern is so important. But once we have the pattern, we have an ex-employee and we are able to uh, um, make sure that they go and inflict themselves on someone else. So that process is the one that we call oiling the rails or lubricating the rails that lead to the door. So we only have to give the employee a light tap and they will gracefully swoop out of our lives. So bear those things in mind and we will talk a little more next time about some other aspects of absenteeism. I hope that you've enjoyed this and um, if you have, give us some feedback please, we would appreciate that or better still, perhaps point it out to uh, one of your fellow workmates and let them uh, imbibe some words of wisdom too. See you next time. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.